Please help me welcome J. Lauren Norris. Just this week, we celebrated a birthday. And it caused me to recall that phone call that nobody wants to get. About two o'clock in the morning, somebody called me. And when my phone rang, it said unknown caller. And I thought, you know, scam callers, they'll call you at any time, night or day. But this is a little ridiculous. So I took the call from the unknown caller. And the person on the other end of the line said, is this Lauren Norris? And I said, Yes. And he said, is your son Jesse? And I said, yes. And he said, I don't think the truck's going to make it, but they're loading your son in the ambulance now. Box office hits, the Civil War, and leadership. They all have one thing in common. Can you guess what it is? That's what we're going to talk about in this episode of Leading Leaders. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast. And if you couldn't tell, the three things, or the the one thing that the three different items or people or prospects have in common. What is it a box office hit the Civil War and leadership have in common? The answer is a story. But it's not just a story. If you listen to uh, anyone who's made great movies, great films, the ones that, that seem to have great staying power in the theater, people show up, they buy the tickets, some of them come back and watch them again and again. I don't care if you're talking about the Marvel series and the Marvel Universe or DC or Uh, Star Wars or Sound of Freedom, all of them have this one thing in common, and that is a great, compelling story well told. Now, I intentionally added a little caveat to the way that I told the story as I opened this introduction. That's not the way I would normally do it. Can you tell why? Because the opening line, the opening interest-getting remark was pretty mundane. In fact, most people couldn't care less that we celebrated a birthday this week. Nobody could. But by simply putting that later in the story instead of at the beginning of the story, the story doesn't change. All the elements of the story are the same. But how the story is crafted makes as much impact as the story that you choose to tell. See, I call this process story power, and that is to first select the right story. Well, how do you select the story you're going to tell? Well, first you got to find the story that's not necessarily the most important to you or the most relevant to you or the most heart-rending to you or the most impactful to you, the storyteller. You've got to find the story that compels reaction and behavior and inspires action on behalf of your audience, which means that story has to be relevant to them. It has to resonate with them. It has to be important to them. And best of all, they've got to be able to see themselves in that story. If the story you're telling is not relevant to them, why would they listen? And even if they do listen because you tell a compelling story, why would they do anything about it? Why would they bother to take action? 
Well, the, the story being well told is the second part. So you've got to select the right story and then you've got to craft the right story. And part of crafting is going over that story in your mind a thousand times until you've told it in every specific way that you can. Every starting point, every starting position, which opening line will have the most impact. Or as you look out in front of the audience in front of you, what, what point will you make with this story? I advise all my clients to have like a hundred stories to be able to work from. So when they look out at the audience, they know what points they want to make. They know what the most important issues are that they're discussing with this crowd. But the selection of the story may not be written into the script until you see the audience that you're talking to. I know that sounds insane. But if you are prepared to tell a hundred different stories and you know where you're going with these stories, you can look at the grid that all of my clients build and we know what is the title of the story, what is the audience that the story will reach, what emotional reactions will you expect from them or expect to inspire in them. And as you go through the process of telling your story, you also find that they move along the road of the story with you. It's like a wave. It, it comes and goes. It ebbs and flows. A well-told story walks you through a journey. It tells you about things that maybe you didn't know before, or it exposes you to new ideas. And sometimes the exposure to those ideas is intentional and subtle at the same time intentionally mentioning things that seem in the story by the storyteller to be passing. It's just a, you know, it just so happens that in the background of the voices that are heard, the places that are mentioned, the food that's served, the clothes they were wearing, all of these are indicators of time and space and relationship and wealth and geographic origins all of these things are hidden in the tiny details. You don't have to paint a picture so elaborate that someone says, oh, I've never been there. I don't know what you're talking about. But you do have to at least paint enough of an imaginative picture that they can say, I think I would have felt the same way. And sometimes all you're talking about is the feelings. This is the power of storytelling. I listened to an interview recently with the guy for whom the movie Sound of Freedom was written, the, the actual character that the movie was written about. I've listened to a lot of interviews. Not only is he just making the circuit right now, but <clears throat> I've intentionally listened to the interviews he's done. He's been at the White House. He's been in front of Congress. He's been on several uh, television shows between 2015-ish, I think, when the actual event happened and the release of the movie, which happened July 4th of 2023. And in that time frame, a whole lot of people have asked him, hey, how did this happen? How did this come to be? How did you get involved? Why are you so deeply involved? Why have you basically given up everything to pursue this mission, this rescue mission? And Tim gives a pretty good explanation for that. And he tells some pretty incredible events that happened, some incidences that he was involved in. And there's a little bit of his backstory not much in the movie, but a lot in various interviews that he's done. I think that Jordan Peterson was the best one. But of all of the interviews that he's done, he doesn't spend a whole lot of time talking about his life prior. He doesn't talk about all the things that he did when he was growing up. They're not germane to the story. But in the capsule of the story, the timeline of the story, there's a beginning and there's an end. 
And yet there's still hundreds of little incidences, and each of these little incidences teaches a new point, brings new things to light, talks about new spaces and new people, new ideas and new relationships. And see, that's what's most powerful about good storytelling. So what is the relationship between The Sound of Freedom, this box office hit, all other box office hits, and the Civil War? Well, the Civil War in large part, had a lot to do with the stories that were told to Abraham Lincoln. Both Harriet Beecher Stowe and uh, Frederick Douglass had the ear of the president talking about the plight of life as a person of color in the United States. And that explanation, that series of stories, not the one story, not one person's story. It wasn't like Rosa Parks was the only person that was ever asked to get to the back of the bus. But see, it's the series of compounding stories. It's the repeated incidences. Those are the ones that we learn from. We learn from repetition. We learn from, hopefully, our mistakes, but wiser people learn from everybody else's mistakes, so we don't have to make them again. But when we look through the course of history, the The ideas that reshaped our nation, the ideas that have reshaped the world, the ideas that have innovated products and services have all started with the story of someone who was trying to figure it out or someone who tried to do it and it didn't work and they needed a new idea, a new innovation, a new invention. And as the list goes on and on, we find that story after story after story after story, has changed the course of human existence. In fact, what they call the, quote, prehistoric age, before we started writing things down and putting them in books, before that day was, everything was told in stories. Some of those stories were scribbled into the cave walls with a stone or painted onto the cave walls with crushed berries. And some of those paintings, some of those stories are still there. And as we look back on those stories, we realize the story of the man being chased by a bison and then the man being hunting the bison, that, that's a change of story. That's a significant change. All of a sudden, this predator becomes the dinner. Well, that story changes everything. I mean, it, it literally changed everything. These stories that we tell as leaders, they really do shape the future. They really are the responsibility of the leader. When you bury a story, uh, in, in journalism it's called burying the lead. When you take the most important thing going on in your world and you try to hide it from everybody else, you get an entirely different thing. When you tell the story in the wrong way, in the wrong order, like I did when I opened, you get an entirely different result. Imagine if I'd started that story like I normally do. I woke up to the phone ring at about 2 o'clock in the morning. Uh, Who in the world is calling me at 2 o'clock in the morning? How frustrating, how annoying. But as I'm hearing the phone ring, I make my way over and listen to this caller say to me, is your name? And I confirmed, and he said, is your son? And I confirmed, and he said, "Um, you might want to head to the hospital. There's been an accident. I don't think the truck is going to make it at all but I think your son's going to be okay. 
Well, that's a great prognosis from a guy on the side of the road. The fact that my son had to call me from his phone, from this other guy's phone instead of his own phone, that was a pretty good indication this was not a good scenario. The fact that someone called me at two o'clock in the morning to tell me your son is in an ambulance and on his way to the hospital, that was not a good scenario. All the flood of emotions that come over a parent thinking, this is the day that you may have to say goodbye to one of your own children. There's nothing good to come of that. It's a frightening moment. Now, how did we end up here? We ended up here because he went to work at four o'clock that morning. He drove to work at four o'clock that morning. He drove an hour and a half to get to his job. He worked all day. He got off about 6.30, 7 o'clock, immediately went to a friend's house and took a shower. And then he went to meet his girlfriend because it was her graduation night. We all went to her graduation as she graduated from high school. She got her diploma. We all went our separate ways. And he and she went out to have a nice dinner together. By the time he dropped her off at home, it was midnight. And he was driving back to our house a little over an hour away and fell asleep at the wheel. I can tell you right now, there are many of us parents who are gravely concerned about our kids when they get behind the wheel. Who are they hanging out with? Have they been drinking? Have they been in the wrong place? Are they doing things that might get them thrown in jail? We very seldom think of our young adults, our teenagers, as someone who would fall asleep at the wheel. They're so hyper most of the time anyway. But after nearly a 20-hour day, it can happen to anybody. Sure enough, when I got to the hospital, there were officers standing outside the door. They were asking questions like, has he been drinking? Was he intoxicated when the accident happened? Was he running from the cops when the accident happened? What, what was the cause? And as the officer who was on scene came out of the room to chat with these officers and their investigation, I was able to go in. And before I went in, though, he held up his cell phone and he showed me the video from when he arrived on scene. The flames were probably 75 feet tall. The truck had gone off the side of the road, hit one of the the barriers at the edge of the road because he was coming up on a bridge. It spun the truck sideways and it was beginning to slide off the edge of this embankment and down the bridge onto the lower roadway. But as it was sliding, the tail end of the truck caught a light pole which spun the truck around before it went off the 40-foot drop and it tumbled side over side down the hill instead, coming to rest upside down. Flames already coming out of it. My son had been asleep when he lost control, knocked unconscious when he hit the bridge embutment, and knocked unconscious again when he hit the light pole. By the time the truck was upside down, he was stuck in the seatbelt, all of his weight pulling on it. But as he came to and realized the truck was on fire, he had enough pocket knives on him in his boot, in his pocket, in his, on his hip to cut his seatbelt and free himself. He fell to the ceiling and crawled out climbed up the hill, and sat there watching his truck burn until the first car pulled up. And that first car was a Jeep. The driver of that Jeep called me. Now, my peace of mind began when a stranger dialed my number because I knew no one would know it unless they they were given that number. The fact that a stranger dialed it and knew my name told me at least the kid was aware enough to know my name And then to know his name, this is going to be a much better outcome than many could have been. It may have been that I got a call from the fire department because the truck was registered in my name to say, hey, we found your truck burning on the side of the road. As it turns out, though, yesterday we celebrated 
that kid's 27th birthday, 26. I get the numbers messed up so bad. He was born in 97. It would be 26th birthday. 26th. To know the number of times that he's been on life's edge because, well, he's a boy and they do silly, stupid, dangerous things. Um, It's refreshing to know that we've made it to the 26th birthday. To know that that night could have been a different phone call. It's good to know we made it to the 27th birthday, 26th birthday. But I can also tell you, as a parent, looking out for your kids, making sure they're getting plenty of rest and plenty of hydration and not working jobs that wear them out emotionally and physically, not driving so far to work, making the arrangements to make life possible and practical, it's going to keep them alive. And nobody wants that phone call at 2 o'clock in the morning. Nobody does. Take care of your kids, even when they're young adults. They will still make mistakes, and it's still your job as a parent to interject yourself with responsibility, with morality, with good ideas, and an acknowledgement of bad ideas. I'm not telling you you got to judge them, but if you love them, be consistent, be diligent, be vigilant. Now, see, that's a different kind of story than yesterday we celebrated a birthday. It starts differently. It ends differently. It makes a point. It gets through a progression. Stories well told, like Harriet Beecher Stowe, like Frederick Douglass, like Uncle Tom's Cabin. All of these stories are stories that say, there's another way of looking at this. I've been to the Congo. I've met those people with only one hand. True story. I've been to the Congo and seen the moms who are bathing their sons in the wash buckets out in front of their house that looks like it's made of the same material we call a privacy fence. I've been there. I've watched it happen. I've also noticed that in many of those towns, those villages, the only store that's painted is the cell phone store. The only building that looks like it's modern and updated and landscaped and clean and air-conditioned is where they sell cell phones. Because it's the most profitable business in their region. And every mom who's scrubbing her kid in a wash bucket in the front of their house, right on the street, probably scrolling Facebook with the cell phone she has in her other hand. And of all the things that we export from the United States, social media, media, stories are a huge part of it. And the stories that we tell set the expectations for the world and the way that they relate to us. They set the expectations for the world and what they want from themselves in this life and where they're planning to go and how they'll interact with their own children. And if the stories we tell are corrupt stories, if they're all about greed and selfishness, keeping up with the Kardashians, then we may find that the impact we have in this world is not exactly the result we wanted. It's all about the story. The best box office hits. The Civil War may have never been started if not for the stories of those told to the president and others who had the ability to say enough is enough. We're changing this. The Sound of Freedom is a story being told right now. Millions of people. Last I heard, it beat out Indiana Jones in opening day, 14 million to 11 million. But right now it's pushing 85 million in ticket sales. Sound of Freedom. If you have not seen that movie, that's a series of stories you need to get involved in, you need to see, you need to hear. This is a moment in time where the stories we tell could change the course of our nation. 
change the course of our world, impact lives globally and individually. And it's all about the stories we tell. Now, as a leader, you might be saying, what in the world has that got to do with me? Well, it has everything to do with you. In fact, in his newest book, this is John Maxwell's 16 Immutable Laws. On page 96, he says, here's some questions to ask before you speak. You should have notes with your team before you speak. They can ask these five potentially tough questions to help you prepare. So if you're a leader and you're communicating, board meeting, town hall, investor meeting, in front of a large crowd. Number one, have I seen the speaker live this message? Number two, how has this subject influenced my life? Number three, what do I not know about this subject that I need to know? Number four, what is the most important part of this message and why? And number five, what is the one thing I would do to improve this presentation? See, if we as leaders aren't willing to subject our ideas to others to say, well, that's great, but you don't actually embody the message you're talking about. You don't live out what you claim that you believe. You're, you're telling other people what to do, but you don't do it. Well, no, that, that's not a good place. We're, we may have the credentials, but we don't have the credibility. We may tell people with authority that we expect this of them, but if we don't live that way, then we're, uh, what is that word? It's an H word. It's a big word. Oh, hypocrites. Yeah, if you've seen The Sound of Freedom, then you know the hypocrites that I'm talking about. If you're a leader and you haven't seen The Sound of Freedom, then you might be a hypocrite. But see, world changers are those who acknowledge the stories. They tell the stories because they've lived the stories. The first step, you've got to select the story. Then you've got to craft the story. You've got to be able to tell it well. You've got to tell better stories than you've been telling, and you've got to tell them better than you've been telling them. Then you'll learn how to connect with the audience in a way that there's always a win. A win-win-win is ideal. If you're not sure what that is, storypowermasterclass.com will help you out. And when you have selected the right story and you've crafted that story well and you've rehearsed it and you understand who you're talking to and how and what you expect of them, when you've answered tough questions like these five right here, you'll find that your story has the, parent, the ability to connect with people to a point of transformation. And that's what I call leading the narrative. That's when you take over the course of the conversation by a simple story. You change the way people think, behave, and act through a simple story. The gentleman from Angel Films who put together the movie of Tim Ballard's life that we call The Sound of Freedom was asked, why this story? Why now? And he's the one who brought to light for me the fact that the story is the catalyst often that brings about world change. Whether it's a story about climate change or it's a story about the loss of energy or it's a story about the number of children who die at the hands of traffickers. The story can change everything. And so can leadership, especially if you're telling the right story. I challenge you to work on the stories you're telling. Select better stories. Craft them well. Connect deeply with your audience and transform the narrative that you're hearing into something that you believe will change the world for the better. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast for Tell It Like It Is TV. Have a blessed day. Subscribe now for our extensive video library of leadership lessons promoting faith, family, and freedom. Hi, my name is Christina Knowles, and I just
taking Jay Lauren's Story Power Masterclass. It was amazing. I took away so much information. Um, one of the things that I really enjoyed being formally trained in media many, many years ago is the call to action. I will use that with every speaking engagement, and I'm so grateful that Lauren just um, spoke truth into his teachings, and he is a true professional. And I know this might sound weird, but I've been taking certifications in different classes over the years, and Lauren is not boring. I can't even believe I got here at nine, and then the class went by so fast that I was like, it's time to go already? And I was shocked that it was time to go already. So it's an awesome class. You're going to enjoy it, I promise. Lauren is a master teacher on storytelling, and I learned so much. Um, I'm really going to have to sit down and go back through everything, and I think I might have to have some more coffees with Lauren, but uh, it was totally worth my time.